It is July 19th, 2022, and you're listening to the Gridiron Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey, hey, welcome to another season of the Greater Iron Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Huck Breeze. I'm going to be your host for today. We are starting the positional rankings for the 2022 season. It is so exciting. We're going to get football again in a few months. I'm getting geared up for the season, and I'm doing QBs, quarterbacks, the most important part, or one of the most important parts of the fantasy spectrum. In my eyes, this is the most important part, whether you play in a super flex league, whether you play in a two-quarterback league, whether you play in a one-quarterback league, you got to know who's going to play captain for your team, right? Uh, today, I'm going to rank every quarterback that I think is – that you should give a second look at uh, in your fantasy draft, whether it be from 41 Tyrod Taylor all the way to one. I'll let you know who that is when we get to that spot. Um, obviously, a lot of y'all are going to be playing one quarterback leagues. Uh, you know, I play in a lot of two quarterback leagues, so a lot of these are more relevant than others. Uh, but anyway, let's jump in. First, I want to give you my philosophy here, uh, how I draft QBs, how I view Q- QBs. So with QBs, it's all dependent on draft value. Never take a QB based on where someone else told you to take them, whether it be me or another fancy pundit or, or anybody else. If you see better QBs that aren't taken, take something else. Take wide receiver. There's so, there's a much larger gap in between good wide receivers and bad wide receivers and good tight ends and bad tight ends than there are quarterbacks. Okay, as long as your quarterback plays every week, you know they're going to bring you some sort of value. The gap between Trey Lance and Baker Mayfield or, you know, Tua and Marcus Mariota is not as large as maybe, you know, a Jamar Chase and a a Jameson Crowder, something like that. So I I know we're talking, uh, you know, on two different positions and whatnot, so we're just talking about QBs. I'm just saying... Value is important, very important. I, I also like to take age and development into consideration here. So I, I love QBs who have shown talent already in the NFL. So they've shown flashes of what they can do. I, you know, a little bit of Zach Wilson. You know Zach Wilson can throw the ball a mile. You know he's got quick legs. Once they get some knowledge in their own system, and the game kind of slows down for them, they can really shine and help you on a fantasy level. This doesn't always work. Everybody develops at different stages. It worked with the second-year Patrick Mahomes. You saw Patrick Mahomes come out and, and show you know some mediocre things the last two games of the season when they gave him some garbage-time stuff for the Chiefs. Uh, you know He came out the next year and blew everybody away with 50 touchdowns, you know, number one quarterback. Same thing happened with Lamar Jackson. You saw him get a playoff run, uh, really blew up the Chiefs. I'm sorry, the the Chargers in one of the late games. Obviously, he faltered in the playoffs. 
but you saw those flashes of what he could do if given, uh, you know, if the full-time job and given a year uh, to learn how the NFL works and maybe, you know, get the game to slow down. And again, he was MVP. Again, it doesn't, it doesn't work all the time. And people take a lot more time than others. Uh, some some quarterback takes a lot more time than others to really develop and and become that that great fantasy star. But uh, but what I want you to remember also is what I say is not the gospel. It's how I currently have them ranked according to where I think they'll end up at the end of the year. Okay, that's it's just me. This can and will change based on how things unfold before week one. So, <laughs> uh, football is an ever flowing game. It's news comes in every day and, and things change. I think for like the top 14, it's going to take a lot for things to change. So those top QB ones, it's going to take a lot for, for things to change. Um, but those people here at the end, you know, can go up and down based on different things that happen, position battles, uh, even, even quarterback battles. So um, let's just jump right in here. We'll start out with Tyrod Taylor. Like I said before, uh, not a lot of people are going to give a look to Tyrod Taylor, but you got to know that Daniel Jones is on a short leash. Okay. I'm pretty sure this is do or die for Daniel Jones. And so if he gets out to a start with their 0 and 3, 0 and 4, and he just cannot move the ball down the field with what, you know, Brian Dable, the new coach, uh, deems a, a decent offense, um, you might see some Tyrod Taylor. And Tyrod Taylor has played efficiently as a starter uh, last year. Uh, you saw him as a Texans quarterback, a fine quarterback too, uh, come in and play, uh, you know, pretty good. He's got a career TD interception ratio of uh, better than two to one. So it, Tyrod Taylor, not the most sexy of quarterbacks, but obviously somebody that you might give a look in, in the deepest of leagues. Then you got Sam Darnold at 40. Not much value here. Okay. Especially with Baker being signed, but he needed a shot and he need to be highly effective in that shot uh, to, to be worth really anything. Uh, Matt Ja Rule has hinted at a competition this year for the Panthers. Um, I don't know how serious he is about that um, between, you know, Matt Coral, uh, Baker Mayfield and, and, Sam Darnold, I would think that if they went out to trade for Baker Mayfield, somebody who has had success in the NFL prior to this, that they would not give that up to Sam Darnold just because he showed a decent preseason. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Like I said, there's a very small window there for Sam Darnold. I've been a Sam Darnold believer in the past. I would rather him not have this job in the in Panther system. But, again, it's a long season, and you never know. Uh, number 39, Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo is a fine quarterback to me. I think that he would be a good starter somewhere. The problem right now is he's injured. He doesn't have a team, and he needs to pass a physical. So uh, that would be – that's a big step, okay, whether it be, you know, signing on with the Seahawks, signing on with the Texans, something like that. But I, I, I don't really see that happening. Um, I think Seahawks would be the most likely spot for him to, to show up at. I just, I, at this point in the season, they've got Geno and they've, they traded for Drew Locke. I don't think the Seahawks view themselves as a competitor in that division. I think they are kind of starting some kind of different 
path, not, not so much a full rebuild path, but something along those lines. And I don't know if Jimmy G fits there. I think Jimmy G would have to settle for some kind of backup role throughout the year. But if he's a 49er, Lance gets hurt, Lance fails, Trey Lance fails, Jimmy G was a, a fine QB2 and borderline QB1 last year. Uh, he, he's a good decision maker uh, and, and can move down, the ball down the field pretty successfully. And if he's a Seahawk, that situation is great for anybody who's a competent quarterback. And I think his value skyrockets to a, a, a you know, end of uh, end QB1, probably in the 13 to 15 range. So there's that. 38, this is like hands off for me. Okay, somebody probably will, if not by your draft, Deshaun Watson uh, is either suspended of the year or eight weeks. I just don't know if holding a bench spot for him is good value. It's, to me, it's a headache. Uh, I I kept him all last year because I didn't, I, I hadn't, I didn't have any idea of what the extent of uh, his, I don't want to call him crimes because he hasn't really been committed of anything, but his situation was, I didn't know how dire it was. Now that we know um, the extent of what's going on with, with Sean Watson and the fact that he's come out and said that he will sue the NFL, almost anticipating that he's going to be suspended for the entire year. This is just not something I want to touch. Uh, even if he was to not get suspended, if he somehow avoided that whole mess, uh, he hasn't played in a year plus. So uh, you're putting a, a lot of eggs in a basket of, of uncertainty. And I just, I'm not a big fan of this. I know in almost every draft, Sean Watson will be taken. I just think that this is a nightmare of a pick and a nightmare of a, a bench spot because you cannot put him in any IR spot. He will probably have to just eat one of your bench spots. So let's move on to number 37, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, overall, I just rather stay away from the Browns. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is, you know, they, going back, this could be a good Jimmy G spot. If Deshaun Watson comes out and is suspended for the year, that would be, I still wouldn't, you know, launch him up to QB one status, but it'd be better than Jacoby Brissett. Um, Jacoby Brissett doesn't really have a lot of starting experience. He's just north of one TD per game since uh, it, since 2019. He's an ugly QB two, both rush from a rushing and passing perspective. He just doesn't bring anything to the game. Um, I know the Colts had him as like a goal line battering ram when Philip Rivers was quarterback. They literally put him in on the one. He would just fall over the line. Um, I seem to remember when he was a rookie, him beating the hapless Texans uh, as the Patriots quarterback, but he didn't run. I think he passed the ball like six or seven times. Uh, they didn't really you know, utilize him for anything. He's just not a very talented quarterback. Uh, and, and it really sucks for people like Amari Cooper, who got signed in the offseason, and some other uh, these brown weapons. But I think you're going to see a lot of Chubb and a lot of Hunt. And, and this is going to be a, a play-action offense where you see uh, Jacoby Brissett pass less than 20 times. You're not going to see a TD every week. It's a gross situation, and you just can't guarantee that job security. So I would probably stay away from him at 37 36 drew lock uh, just doesn't have a 
uh, track record, a good track record with the Seahawks. I know he was, it's a new team for him. He just has horrid decision-making. This job is not terrible by any means. Uh, I just think personally that Gino would better fit into this spot um, just for his, you know, ability to extend the play. I don't know if Drew Locks, listen, Russell Wilson had a rough time with his O-line last year, uh, you know, by Russell Wilson standards. It, it just, it didn't look good at, at certain spots. I don't want to know what would happen to Drew Locke if he was rushed in the pocket uh, with decision-making and whatnot. I just don't think he's the right fit for this job or any job for that matter. Uh, he's shown flashes to be a decent quarterback and he could be the starter for this team week one. I, you know, there's a definitely a, a good percentage shot at that. And if he is, that's why we have him at 36 here. Uh, I just don't think he plays every game regardless. Number 35, we've got a rookie here, Matt Coral, uh, for the Panthers. Probably the least likely to see the field as a rookie just because he has two people in front of him on the depth chart. I think Sam Darnold um, and, and obviously Baker Mayfield are above him on the depth chart. Um, if somehow he does sneak in that spot due to injuries or, or uh, ineptitude, it's a great spot. DJ Moore, uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Robbie Anderson, the other side, you know, it's, it's, it's a decent spot. I like that offense and, uh, and, and maybe you could see some flashes. I just, I wouldn't uh, invest in him in late rounds thinking that he'll hit the field unless it's some kind of dynasty league or something like that. Uh, number 34, Desmond Ritter in my opinion, is probably the least talented of all the rookies. His college stats weren't that great. Uh, I believe he was the last quarterback out of anyone that we'll talk about today taken. Um, he's not the least likely to see snaps, though. I, I could see if Marcus Mariota starts to fail and the Falcons are in the shitter, Desmond Ritter could see uh, the field. And if he does, he jumps up to be a fine uh, quarterback, too. What What bugs me about this is that I think the Falcons offense is best suited for somebody who can make the pocket bigger, roll out and, and make some of that room. Uh, Desmond Ritter really doesn't show blazing speed and did not run in college barely at all. Uh, so he's more of a pocket passer. Uh, I don't know if the Falcons are set up for that, at least this year. Um, so if you don't see Mariota, uh, it's probably not a, uh, a super path to success, but again, a fine QB two if, if somehow you invested in, in him late. Uh, number 33, Daniel Jones. Mm. So like I said, he has a short leash. Uh, he lost his best, in my opinion, his best receiving option in, uh, in, in Ingram, the tight end. Uh, you know, people are really into Kadarius Tony. People think that there might be a resurgence of Kenny Galladay. I, you know, it's, it's really hard to say that when he's regressed and passing touchdowns every single year. Um, the only positive that I see or only positives I th see is uh, he has less fumbles. So he was known as a fumble machine in his first few years in the league. Uh, he's cut down on that. So <laughs> when he's taking a sack, he goes down um, and their strength schedule is pretty good. Um, I, I think that uh, they are top five in strength of schedule coming up. So 
maybe that's a plus. Um, this offense just does not look that attractive to me at all. Uh, next up, Malik Willis for the Titans. Now, this one's interesting to me, and I think this is worth a late pick in a couple different kinds of leagues, whether it be a super flex or two quarterback leagues. I, I really think that um, he's the best runner. I, I I do tend to lean towards uh, quarterbacks who run a lot. And they give you that that those multiple angles for points. Malik Willis. Tannehill, his time might be coming to the end for the Titans. And, and we kind of have seen this written in stone for the past few years. Uh, Tannehill is in his here's 33 season. Okay, he's 33 years old. Uh, they drafted Malik Willis for a reason. Obviously, uh, he dropped a little bit farther than people thought he may have. Um, this team is depleted in talent. Obviously, they traded away A.J. Brown to add a rookie receiver. So you might not see a lot of statistics come out of Tannehill as far as, uh, you know, what he's had in the past. You go from A.J. Brown and Julio Jones uh, to Traylon Burks. Uh, So it's, it's not that great of a situation. But what you do have is Derrick Henry probably the most talented running back in the league as far as uh, run rushing ability. Also, Derrick Henry's statistics as far as catching the ball has increased every single year since his rookie year. Okay. I think that Malik Willis and his running ability, he has 27 rushing TDs with his junior year and senior year in college, could really open up this offense uh, and make it a lot more two-dimensional than it is right now. I'm not saying that uh, Ryan Tannehill doesn't have talent on the ground, but with a Malik Willis, Derrick Henry combination, I think you have like a Baltimore-style offense that's much bigger and much more talented. Uh, again, he's a rookie. So there's not a hundred percent chance that he sees the field and there's not a hundred percent chance that if he sees the field, he's successful. I just think that it's an interesting look to see Malik Willis maybe as your last pick just to take a flyer on him. Uh, probably won't win the job, obviously won't win the job outright over Ryan Tannehill, but you know, I think the Titans are in for a rude awakening and kind of a, uh, you know, you know, a turnaround, some the turnaround, their perspective of how they they view their own team. So if that happens, you could see Malik Willis by week two, week three, week four, um, depending on on how bad it goes for that offense. But anyway, let's move on to number 31, Geno Smith. Geno Smith has been in he's seen action in 15 games since 2015. So in the last six years, and he's been in 15 games. He has nine touchdowns, three interceptions. So his statistics aren't terrible, but a lot of it's cleanup. A lot of it's for bad teams. Um, the reason I like him better than Locke, which is not that hard, is, like I said, the ability to extend the play. The Russell Wilson like play that you have cemented in your mind is the rollout, avoids one uh, you know, defender, 
voids one sack, tosses it up to uh, you know lock it in the end zone. That's their play. That's their offense to keep the play alive. Hit a DK Metcalf. Hit a lock it. Hit a tight end. Great situation if he wins the job and keeps it. And I think he's the guy to keep it on their current roster. Uh, I mean, it's Geno Smith. So this is not a super attractive pick by any means. A lower QB2 for sure. Um, but a QB2 nonetheless. Not somebody that, uh, you know, that, that that probably is the the bottom four. But, I mean, he's... He's an option. Let's just throw it out there. And somebody's going to draft him this year in, in Superflex League. So let's move on to number 30, Kenny Pickett. Uh, Mr. Smallhands, Kenny Pickett. So I think out of all the rookies, he's the most likely to win the job outright. Um, you know, he was the first QB taken overall. Um, the the Steelers are a great situation. I think they're the most talented roster of any quarterback situation that we have here. Uh, and, and I almost guarantee that he will see the field this year. So I think he's worth drafting in most, uh, in most leagues. And I think that if he, when he does, he could be that borderline, uh, at, you know, high end QB one, uh, you know, he doesn't show too, too much on the ground, but then again, the Steelers haven't really had a track record of guys that move around a lot. I mean, maybe, uh, we'll see what they do with Mitch Trubisky this year, but, I, I think Pickett could be a a pretty good fantasy option if if he somehow gets this job uh, in the first half of the season. Next up, Mitch Trubisky, number twenty nine, de facto starter for like I said, a fine fantasy situation. And if it wasn't for Pickett being there and and knocking on his door and and pushing him, I think Mitch Trubisky could be higher than where he is right now. Um, he. he he's not afraid to run the ball. So we've seen that Mitch Trubisky is not afraid to run the ball, but he's also not afraid to throw it to the other team. I mean, the guy shoots from the hip in modern day Brett Favre. Uh, fun to watch, but also could be excruciating, excruciating if that's your quarterback. Uh, I have him at 29, like I said, purely because he could lose the job at some point um, during the season. Matt Ryan, number 28. Uh, Matt Ryan's a statue. Uh, and, and there's some statistics that you could look at that will say Matt Ryan is a fine quarterback for the Colts situation and their O-line and will make this team a playoff contender and will elevate Michael Pittman, rookie receivers, Jonathan Taylor. Like, this is going to be a powerhouse. For me, I watched... I know that the Falcons had a faulty O-line, but I watched Matt Ryan make terrible old man throws, underthrow receivers, not have the arm strength to put it where he did, you know, in, in 2008, 2009, 2010. I don't think that Matt Ryan is an upper echelon quarterback anymore. I don't think that he, the way he plays the game is makes him get away with certain things. Uh, he's a guy that really depends on launching it 15 yards plus down the field. I think the Colts are going to be dependent on him putting the ball 15 yards plus downfield. His statistics aren't terrible, 
of him putting it 15 yards plus downfield. I just don't think he's going, I think he's regressing talent wise. Um, and, and he's getting up there in age. This is his thir- year 37. He's going to be 37 years old this year. Um, it, one good thing about this, it, it's a very easy schedule. He's faced Texans twice, Jaguars, Titans, and the Titans twice. Uh, and it's a great situation. He's got great supporting cast. And he's not going to be dependent on like he was for the Falcons for so, so long. Okay, this is Jonathan Taylor's team. This is Michael Pittman's team. This is not Matt Ryan's team. So you could see him throw the ball less than he ever has, and maybe he's more efficient in doing that. Uh, I just don't like to be dependent on him or move up to get to take him in a, at a QB2 spot. I would rather make him fall to me or be forced to take him. Honestly, I don't think he's terrible, but at 28, that's it's probably the right spot for him. Uh, next up, Marcus Mariota. Again, this is just like Trubisky. If there wasn't Desmond Ritter there, I might have moved him up a little bit because I love his fit in this offense. He's only 28 years old. Okay, so this guy has not been – it feels like he's been in the league forever. I mean, so, so long. But uh, Marcus Mariota uh, is only 20 years old. He's only been in the league since 2015. Uh, what worries me, he hasn't started in over two years, but he was good in mop-up duty and relief duty for uh, Derek Carr in in past years. Um, <clears throat> I like the the situation with Drake London, uh, Kyle Pitts. It's, I mean, it's fine. I I, I think that this is a this is a, a sleeper situation for our QB two. Um, I, I think that you know that a lot of times this team is going to play terrible defense. And Marcus Mario is going to be playing from behind. Um, easy eight-yard runs when people are in uh, stacking DBs on the on the field. Uh, easy first down, little slides, throws to the sideline. Uh, you know, down by three touchdowns, just walking in the end zone. I like Marcus Mario to score some points in the in the first half of the season. But like I said, if they keep losing, if the losses stack up, you could see Desmond Ritter. You could see you know a different them go a different route. So. Uh, Marcus Mariota, number 27. Number 26, Carson Wentz. Um, I've bet against Carson Wentz like his whole career. Uh, and last year, he made me look like a fool. Uh, I, I said Carson Wentz would be a terrible quarterback. And uh, he came up and, and, and put, you know, a, a, a pretty good year together. Uh, I believe he was uh quarterback 11 which is really good for me dropping him down to quarterback 26 again i'm being uh you know pretty disrespectful to carson wentz but what's good about carson wentz is uh what we were worried about before is that he was injured he was playing made a glass last year was his first year to play in every single game so that's great they re-signed terry mclaurin uh as number one wide receiver so there's no distraction there also great um What's what the problem is here is that there's no any other improvement on offense, and this offense isn't really made to be a powerhouse. Uh, I think as Carson Wentz is is not the young spry gentleman that we saw in the past, where uh, somebody who was committed to running in the red zone within the green zone of the ten yard line. I think he's 29. Uh, you know, I, I just don't know the consistency of what we'll get out of Carson Wentz this year. And so 
while he's reliable, I know I don't know if there's any upside to picking Carson Wentz uh, again. Just like Matt Ryan, I feel I feel like if he fell to you, uh, you could do worse. But uh, this is not somebody that I'm too excited to go out and pick. Twenty five, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, uh, twenty seven years old. Love the Panther situation. Absolutely love the Panther situation. Uh, you know, uh, McCaffrey. And DJ Moore is one of my favorite receivers this year. I think that this offense has been begging for a good quarterback for a long, long time. Like a quarterback that can come out and be a leader. And what they've had with Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater over the past few years since Cam Newton was there has just not worked. I think Baker Mayfield is a definite upgrade on them. Another thing for Baker's sake is that he breaks out of a really, really run heavy offense that he was in Cleveland. It was like run, run the most run heavy offense in the NFL. Uh, and he comes in a place with many weapons field opens up. All right. And, and honestly, he was a tough half QB. I and mean, this is, this is somebody that we were taking as a QB one until last year. And he was injured. He had rotator cuff problems. Um, this is somebody that was getting picked at the end of first rounds or at the end, like 14, 15 um, in two, two quarterback leagues. So Baker Mayfield, uh, like him at 25, I really honestly think that he could move up, um, you know, before the season starts, if he solidifies that starting spot and really learns that offense and, and, and gets the groove there in Carolina. 24, now this is going to piss a lot of people off. It's going to upset people. And I'm sorry, but this is just how I feel. Lamar Jackson, in his age 25 year, uh, I don't get why people have him as a top five quarterback. Even in leagues that have four points for passing touchdowns and six points for rushing touchdowns, he only had two last year. Okay, He only had two touchdowns on the ground last year, which is pathetic for somebody who really depends on running the ball. Every one of his statistics have dropped across the board to his MVP season in 2019. He lost Marquise Brown. The offensive model that they play, whether you think it's talent or whether you think it's you know an O-line problem or you think it's a play-calling problem, it's stale. Okay? The We saw it with – and I, I'm not 100% comparing him to the Wildcat, but we've seen it with the Wildcat where every team – in the NFL, every team in college, every team in high school ran the Wildcat for like two or three years. Uh, Ronnie Brown made it popular with Ricky Williams there in Miami, and they ran all over everybody. Uh, McFadden for the, the 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 Raiders. It was huge. Teams caught on. Teams looked at film. Teams realized just make them throw, like literally stack the box and leave you know big huge gaps to throw, and it it disrupts the offense you put pressure on them and they stop doing it every team dropped it you'll see one wildcat every few games from a couple of different teams but most of all they don't use it like they they have in the past um every year his turnover numbers have gone up last year's turnover numbers got up it went up i don't see the upside of taking lamar jackson he's definitely not going to have a 2019 year probably ever again uh, if you, it, I mean, we're talking about 
QB 16 last year. Okay. So even if you think that he is going to play better than that, it, it's not going to be like top 10. And to be honest, I just don't, I'd rather have some of these rookies that I'm going to talk about above, uh, above Lamar Jackson than somebody who plays in an offense who that may or may not work. I mean, it's going to be run first. Okay. But it, when JK Dobbins comes back, it's going to be run first. Okay. And, and so I just, I, I don't see the upside of this quarterback. It's just not that great of a situation. And if you take him with a high pick, and so be it. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I like him at 24. 23, Justin Fields. So <clears throat> the problem with rookie quarterbacks is sometimes it's a gamble and you're just guessing. Uh, with Patrick Mahomes, you saw a great situation with a quarterback who could throw it a mile, and you took a risk. With some of these other quarterbacks, you, you see good situations, and you, you take a risk. Uh, the Bears' situation is not good. I don't think that uh, Darnell Mooney and Cole Kmet qualify as a fine tandem. to support a sophomore quarterback. We've only ever seen bad from Justin Fields. Now, I'm gonna compare him right now, somebody who had a bad rookie year to Peyton Manning, who also had a bad rookie year. The difference between Peyton Manning and Justin Fields is that Peyton Manning pumped the ball down the field and attempted to pass and 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 score and you know put himself out there and and did bad. And 28 interceptions, which is a lot for a rookie. Justin Fields, the the their strategy was not to give him the ball and put it in his hands and make him throw it down the field. Um, the offense looked inept, looked lost. Uh, he didn't look like he was an NFL quarterback at times. We know the talent is there, but he doesn't attempt to throw the ball that often. And even though Allen Robinson wasn't the Allen Robinson we knew him to be in years past, he's not there anymore. There's no... I don't consider Darnell Blue, uh, Darnell Mooney a, a security blanket. This is a run-first team. And Justin Fields is not Kyler Murray. He's not going to rack up double-digit rushing touchdowns. While, we, think, while we, we know that Justin Fields is talented, he's good, and he can take a game over, he's in a really bad situation. I don't think that situations 100% define what a quarterback can do in fantasy. We've seen people like Aaron Rodgers come in situations with no receivers and an inept running game and a rough O-line and come out and be a top 10 quarterback. I just don't think this situation is the same as that. The Bears offense is not good. And I think that 
23 is actually really high for somebody like Justin Fields. Next up, Trevor Lawrence. Again, again, this was particularly bad to watch last year. At no point last year was there good where I watched Trevor Lawrence and I said, that's a QB1. He deserved to be the first pick in the draft. Okay. But what he didn't do, what Justin Fields did, was he attempted a lot. Okay. He, the, the Jaguars gave him a huge leash. He came out and he, he started from week one, didn't get injured, kept pumping the ball downfield, showed the propensity to run. Okay. So he's got those wheels and he's not afraid to use them. Didn't have uh, his his old teammate, uh, Etienne, nor did he have Christian Kirk. Uh, I think DJ Shark was all out all last year, so he kind of had a ragtag receiving crew. So I think he's really hard to rank. I think that, again, we've only seen bad. So how do you rank somebody with like Trevor Lawrence? You try to, you haven't even seen Etienne. You know, you haven't seen Christian Kirk in a new offense. You haven't seen Evan Ingram, who is in this offense, which should, you know, I talked about him earlier. I think he's a great player. This is a huge mystery. Strength schedule is pretty good. It's like how good, if you are saying Trevor Lawrence is a fine QB too. You don't know that any more than anybody else knows that. It's a complete mystery, probably the hardest quarterback to rank in this year's draft. So I have him at 22. I think the upside's there. But again, it's, 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 it's hard to rank. Number 21, Ryan Tannehill. We talked about him earlier when we talked about Malik Willis. Going from Julio, A.J. Brown, Johnny Smith from two years ago to Robert Woods and Austin Hooper. He's going to be a handoff machine. Okay. He's going to hand the ball off to Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry's backups probably 40 times a game. Okay. Uh, he's he, They're successful at rollouts. So you'll see him, you know, get some statistics. You'll see him get some rushing touchdowns. You'll see him in in, in certain successful situations. But I just I, – I, I really honestly think that the Titans are not going to be that great this year, and you're going to see some Malik Willis. I, I really do. Um, I have him at 21 because of what we've seen from Ryan Tannehill in the past has made him a borderline QB1. Um, I mean, Robert Woods is no slouch. I like Robert Woods. I think that he's a, a good wide receiver three if, if you choose to go that route. Uh, again, Ryan Tannehill ran, runs a lot. He's not afraid to run when, when a play breaks down, which is really good for a fantasy quarterback to get that second angle on points. Ryan Tannehill is also healthy. Um, so that's one good thing. He's shown that he can play every game, every year. And he, you know, he's not taking stupid sacks, not putting him in a position to get injured. 
but we've seen them fall apart the past few years, especially in the playoffs. And I think the, um, you know, his hourglass is running thin. And there, if you take him in as your QB two, or even your QB one, if you wait that long, you might lose him by like week six or week seven. Uh, not from injury, but just from ineptitude. So uh, it's, a, it's a risk, and that's why I have him so low. Uh, number 20, Zach Wilson. So to me, he showed the third best talent of all rookies to the naked eye. I know his stats don't back it up. His stats look bad. But he was quick on the ground. Um, and I like – I really – like what they're putting together as far as the Jets are concerned. It reminds me a lot of like the early 2010 Lions uh, when when they were, when it was like Matt Stafford uh, and they were putting together, you know, Calvin Johnson and whatnot. And they just took receiver after receiver after receiver. They've taken a receiver uh, in the first round this year second round last year and second round year four. Uh, I know Denzel Mims isn't like a world beater, but you've got Elijah Moore and Braxton Miller this year. Okay. So they're putting together, they got Brees Hall at running back. Um, they also drafted Michael Carter last year at running back. Like they're putting together weapons for him to use. There's talent. Like Elijah Moore is like a really good receiver. He's very talented. So they're trying. I also think this is a Kirk Cousin effect. Okay. What I mean by that is, and I talked about this last year when I was ranking quarterbacks, you may not like Kirk Cousins. Okay. You may not like him as a fancy quarterback, but you love Justin Jefferson and you love Adam Thielen. Uh, and that you, you know, last year they were ranked in the top 15 at receiver. So in turn, you have to at least like Kirk Cousins a little bit because he's going to be the one that's going to get them the ball. So we like Elijah Moore. And we like Braxton Miller. And we like Corey Davis, you know, as, as receivers. So in turn, I mean, it's not the same as obviously the Viking situation, but in turn, if you like those guys and you have to like Zach Wilson, and again, like we'll run the ball. This is his team. He's going to run the ball. Um, he's going to get in the end zone running the ball. The guy can throw the ball a country mile. So, I mean, I like Zach Wilson. I like him as a really good upside QB, too. Dangerous? Yeah. Is this team bad? Yeah. Is he going to be playing garbage time? Yeah. So, Zach Wilson, somebody to look at. Number 19, famous Jameis. Jameis Winston. I love Jameis, man. I love him as a quarterback, a specimen, somebody to watch. Uh, he's re up to Arsenal. Okay. They drafted Chris Olava in, in, in the, uh, as, a, as a sleeper receiver. Uh, I may not be a sleeper anymore, but uh, you know, I saw when they drafted him, I was like, yeah. He's going to be able to stretch the field. I like that, especially when you have Michael Thomas coming back. And we forget, three years ago, Michael Thomas was the number one receiver, and it wasn't close. Like, 
he was the best. Now I know the the relationship between him and the Saints broke down, and he hasn't played. And when he has played, he's it looks like he's been half-assing it. But apparently, he's all in this year. Okay, all in with him and Jarvis Landry, who's coming home to Louisiana. James Winston's been a pretty efficient quarterback and. Last year, he showed that he doesn't turn the ball over nearly as much. I know he only played half the year, but he was pretty protective of the ball and was a really good quarterback when he did play. Another thing is Alvin Kamara, whether you like him to boost your quarterback or not, is not going to be there. Probably for six to eight weeks because he's suspended. They're going to lean on Jameis a little bit more to move that ball down the field and to get them points. So at least in the first half of the year, I think Jameis is a really good quarterback too. Somebody that really, really can put points up and uh, be a, a guy that that's that can uh, push for quarterback one. Number 18, Jared Goff. Again, this is probably an unattractive pick for some, but I really think he has underrated offensive weapons. You got St. Brown, Jameson Williams that they added this year, and DJ Chark at receiver. I think that's pretty damn good. A healthy Swift at running back who is, in my opinion, the new best receiving running back in the NFL. I think that, it, you know, at times he only played 13 games last year, but at times uh, he's going to be somebody that really takes over the game. Now he was forced in targets for running back last year. Again, he didn't play every game. Uh, and I believe he was top 10 in yards. Yeah, he was fifth in yards. That's like a great security blanket for Jared Goff, who he didn't have at all times last year. Jared Goff at the end of last year showed me that he has the talent to be somebody that stands up to that pick. I mean, he was a 1-1. He was a first-round pick, first overall. Somebody obviously knew that he had talent. I mean, he hasn't shown like he is the best quarterback in football, but he's got talent. He's got weapons. He's on a team, again, that is going to be a really big underdog in most of these games. I really like Jared Goff as the quarterback, too, this year, and I really think he deserves that 18 spot. Now, when we get higher here, there's going to be a lot of, you know, controversial things that I say and a lot of people are going to disagree and say, yeah, it's a definite QB1 or whatever. But this is when we go on to a new tier, I believe, at Jared Goff. So you had the Tyrod Taylor to let's just say Desmond Ritter spot. It's like bottom of the barrel. And you had the next tier up from Daniel Jones to maybe Mitch Trubisky, Matt Ryan, up to 
Zach Wilson's another tier. I'm sorry, Jared Goff's another tier. This next tier is right above that 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 second and first tier. Okay, this is right there in the gap. These guys are all going to challenge for that QB one. Two attacks at the 17 spot. Now, if you want to talk about all hype team, Tua is number one. Okay, he is going to be a hugely hyped. Whether you're in a two quarterback or one quarterback league, he's going to be 100 percent owned because of the addition of Tyree Kill and the uh, you know the emergence of Jalen Waddle. Now, I'm not going to bring in the Tyree Kill, Randy Moss to the Raiders comparison, but we have to admit that the Chiefs were a far superior offensive team. So Reek's numbers are not going to be 100% there. And the one thing that Tua does really well is he wins football games. Okay? That's why they still have him there. If he doesn't win football games or even put up the stats that they think he should, he won't be the quarterback for this team next year. Not with the with the Kaseki and the Waddle and Tyreek and the stable of running backs that they put together. This is the definition of people hyping up a team because of their surroundings, because I think Tua is not a very talented quarterback. I think if you took any of the quarterbacks that I talked about before, whether it be Goff, Winston, or Wilson right below, and you put these surroundings around them, they'd be a top 10 quarterback. I put them in the top 10 right now. I think Tua Tags holds all these guys back. Also, he doesn't run nearly as much as you think. Okay, so so Tua's running stats last year, uh, he only attempted 42 rushes for 128 yards, three touchdowns. That's when Tua entered the league. I thought he was a dual threat. I thought he was somebody that could, you know, really threaten on the ground. Not really at all. Like he is a mid-range quarterback who throws the ball anywhere from 10 to 20 yards and hope prays for the best and hands the ball off a lot. He's 17 clearly because of all the talent he has around him. Uh, I, whoever drafts him as their QB1 is dangerous. That is a very dangerous pick. He'll get. He'll have weeks where it looks like, like, great. He threw Tyreek. He threw him a five-yard screen. He went for a touchdown. He threw Waddle a, uh, you know, some some little cross, and he, he went for sixty yards and touchdown. Great. There will be weeks like that, but I think also there will be weeks where it's like, dude, he was wide, or, oh my gosh, you you doubled into Gasecki and and he, uh, and that's a pick. I, I just. I'm scared of Tua as a QB1, and so I have him as a decent QB2. 16, Patriots, Mac Jones. I think he's a great situation. Obviously, king of the sophomores, king of the rookies from last year. Um, Add a confident wide receiver in Devontae Parker. I like that. I have always liked Devontae Parker, and I think he's been held back by his time in Miami by the guy we just talked about. Otherwise, this offense is pretty set in stone. I think Mac Jones' ceiling is definitely in the top 10 this year. I really do. 
Uh, he was 13th in yards last year for with a bunch of receivers that you may or may not have uh, won on your team, Jacoby Myers and, and you know, some others. I just think Mac Jones makes really good decisions and is not afraid to move the ball down the field. And that makes him a really dangerous quarterback. Uh, this is all on the shoulders of Mac Jones and how good he is as a quarterback uh, that you can depend on. And to be honest, I'd rather have, I mean, this is two polar opposite situations between Tua and Mac. You've got one who I think is a bad quarterback with a great situation and one with a pretty good situation. I like Mac Jones is in, but is a really talented quarterback and somebody you can depend on from week to week to score your points. I have him at 16. I think he could be higher. The only reason I, 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 I'm scared of that situation is because I don't think the Patriots are the kind of team that lets somebody, you know, lets it fly. Um, he'll be handing off a lot to Stevenson, a lot to Damian Harris. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. But again, high-end QB2. And I, I think you could do worse than, than taking Mac Jones as your, as your second quarterback. Another controversial coming up right here, controversial pick coming up here. It's my 15th quarterback, Davis Mills. General Mills is going to be the king, the king of garbage time. This is what I call the Bortles effect. Down by three touchdowns, down by four touchdowns. I mean, just launching it. Points, 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 every single play. We're playing fantasy football. The whole point is to have your quarterback get volume. Have your quarterback chunking the ball down the field. I love what the Texans are putting together. I really like Cooks, Mechie, Nico, and the lack of the run game. Their run game is almost non-existent. There's nobody to me that threatens Davis Mills. This is Davis Mills' offense to spread it all around the field, to do his will. He finished last season with three really confident games. I really like the way he looked. Six touchdowns, one pick. Yeah, we lost a few games. And when I say we, obviously, Texans fan, yes. Like, we're going to be a bad team again. Our over-under for wins is four and a half. Not going to win a ton of games. Every time Davis Mills is going to be trying to catch us up in the third, fourth quarter, he's going to score a ton of points. And I like him as that 15th quarterback. And I like him as the quarterback of the future for the Texans. Davis Mills, solid 15. A lot of people are going to disagree with that. A lot of people have him in the lower 20s. I like him in the spot that, that, that he's at. Number 14, Trey Lance. It's a hard sell. Okay, I, I really liked Trey Lance last year coming coming uh, at, at, into the 49ers in that situation. I still like the 49ers situation, but he did not look great in his limited time they put him in last year. You know, seeing him run, he had a uh, run style of more Cam Newton and less Lamar Jackson. And what you're looking for in a quarterback or what I look for in a quarterback is somebody that can miss those tackles and, and be able to bounce out. And I think Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray do that really, really well is when they're in trouble, they get to the sideline and they don't get hit. 
Uh, Trey Lance, to me, is more of a glide runner that eats up yards. He's got that speed. He's just not somebody that's going to avoid a lot of hits. Didn't show a lot of burst. Um, you look at what Garoppolo did last year. He was 17th, QB 17. He only had 51 rush yards. So you think, and, and he had a decent year. I, I liked what Garoppolo did last year. I think, like I said, he was a, somebody that could have p- pushed for a high QB uh, two. So as long as I think that Trey Lance doesn't make a ton of rookie mistakes and have just some horrid games with his surroundings, Debo, Ayuk, you know, Elijah Mitchell in that backfield, and obviously George Kittle, it's hard for him not to improve on those numbers with some decent rush yards, right? So moving up from 7 to 14, or 17 to 14 for the San Francisco Niners or 49ers QP is not crazy. And I think that's a good spot for Trey Lance right there, 14, right at the end of the QB1s. Uh, again, this is going to be another hype pick. 49ers offense with a running quarterback is like insane to think about. It's like a Madden player's dream. It's what you want. There's so many different weapons, so many different things you could do. Uh, but it, it, it looks good on paper, but will it translate in fantasy success? Fantasy success, I, 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 and it's yet to be seen. Uh, I like him at 14, but, you know, we'll just have to see. Number 13, Kirk Cousins. Talked about him earlier. He's reliable, probably one of the most reliable QBs in fantasy. Last year, he was ninth in TDs. He gets Irv Smith back, gives him another weapon on top of Thielen, uh, K.J. Osborne, and Justin Jefferson. Uh, so those three receivers – one finished four, one finished 28. Thielen finished 28 in limited time. And K.J. Osborne snuck up at 42 to fill in for Thielen when he wasn't there. Kirk Cousins had a touchdown every game. He's one of the only quarterbacks uh, or one of the few quarterbacks that did that. He had multiple uh, touchdowns in 12 out of 16. I mean, the guy put up points in almost all of his games. And he had the least turnovers of his career last year, which is really impressive. As boring as Kirk Cousins might be, he's very reliable at quarterback. Uh, and he's got a really, really good support system. And for a guy that just literally sits there in the pocket and, ta- and, and chunks it downfield to his talented receivers, 33 is not an old age. I like Kirk Cousins as a QB1. I think, he, like I said, he's really reliable. And you could do a lot worse as, a, as your first quarterback uh, on, on waiting you know, and somebody dropped to him because, listen, there's not one soul out there right now who is salivating at the thought of having Kirk Cousins as our QB1. He will drop to somebody. He will have good value. I promise. Uh, just have to wait. Number 12, Jalen Hurts. Very rushing upside dependent, but he had a lot. So it went Hurts, Lamar Jackson, and Allen, and, and uh, Josh Allen as a one, two, three in rushing yards. And Hurts had two more TDs than Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen combined. He is like 
the definition of what a good quarterback or a good rushing quarterback should be. And he's very, very dependent on that. There was a lot of weeks. He had six weeks with zero passing touchdowns. And that, like most weeks, he threw it for less than 200 yards. Now, A.J. Brown, their science, is going to help that for sure, which is why I moved him up to 12. Otherwise, he would have been way lower than this. Somebody who just runs and has very little pass uh, is or pass upside is not somebody you want as a QB1. Not Jalen Hurts, though, I think. Again, we're going into his third year. Somebody who's, you know, been learning under this system, been growing under this system, getting his legs under him, learning more about the game, letting it slow down. You know, he does have upside for sure. And he can win you weeks by himself. What does scare me is, like I said, six weeks, zero pass touchdowns. There will be weeks where they feel like they don't need to score through the air. And that's alarming. It is alarming. That's why I have him at 12. Number 11, Derek Carr. Derek Carr was QB 13 last year without the best wide receiver in the sport. Okay, and there's a lot of people. A lot of people are going to launch him way higher than 11 uh, because of the addition of Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is great. Awesome. You got Devontae Adams, Renfro, Waller. That's, that's an awesome, awesome tandem that you have going on there. But Devontae Adams isn't replacing no one. Devontae Adams is replacing Renfro, and Renfro is replacing the wide receiver too. So you're just having a little bit of addition of yards and touchdowns, obviously. But it's not like you're just adding on a whole production of Devontae Adams. And I know it's hard to explain. And in math terms, it's, you know, you got to dig into it, which we're not going to do right now. But last year, Derek Carr's fifth in yards, which is great. Downside, he had 10 less TDs than any other QB in the top 10 in yards. 10 less TDs. Really, really uh, was not relied on in the red zone to score through the air last year. 23 touchdowns. Like I said, the second least in the top 10 in yards, the second least would have been 33. So kind of alarming, kind of sticks out there. Obviously, Devontae Adams is going to help, but how much does he help? That's, that's up to you. Number 10, Justin Herbert. Everybody in, in, in the world is going to have him higher than 10. Last year, he was QB3, second in yards. Okay, he's entering the third year in an offense, and he's probably, you know, learning, like I said, just like everybody else, getting his legs under him. The only person that's not returning from his offense is Jared Cook. They replaced him uh, with uh, – who did they replace him with? Gerald Everett. They replaced him with Gerald Everett. So it's, I mean – Fine offense, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. It's great. But they're just getting older. They're not making improvements. This is not a particularly good strength schedule. Aging receivers. Uh, 
I just don't see huge upside in drafting Herbert. If he was a stock, he reached his peak maybe last year. Unless you think Keenan Allen is somebody that's going to finish in the top five from receiving. I just, I don't know if he can spread it out enough. I don't know if everybody else is attractive enough. You're dependent on Eckler to stay healthy uh, for those, for that weapon out of the backfield. It's just not some, a situation where I find uh, particularly attractive. And a lot of people are going to spend really, really, really high quarterback picks on Justin Herbert. To me, it's just not that great of a situation. I have him at 10. Uh, I could drop him lower. A lot of people will take him higher. I'd avoid it if, if I were you. Number nine, Dak Prescott, Cowboys. Dak doesn't run anymore. You should have to get that. Okay, after that injury, he just, it's not there. Whether it be in the red zone or not, he just doesn't do it. You know, there were many times where I watched him on the red zone last year and I thought he had a wide open, uh, you know, chance to go and, and, and put up six to, with his legs. And he declined to do that. I mean, he's going to, he's a pass first guy. And that's, that's great. Uh, Zeke is declining. Obviously, Zeke's a, a, a tough sell at the running back spot um, with Pollard. So, again, they're going to lean on Dak a lot more than they have in the past. They're going to be depending on Dak. CD's, uh, you know, maturing. I think CD is a top five receiver. Uh, it, it, if you forgot, Dak Prescott was, like, shooting for the MVP in 2020. And he had that old twisted leg, you know, it, it was disgusting, but he was great in that first few games of 2020. Came back last year and he's QB6. I haven't ranked it nine. So if you have him somewhere between, I mean, he at least would have been six in 2020. So if you have him anywhere between one and six in 2020, six last year, nine's a very, very like humble spot for Dak Prescott, in my opinion. It's only 28. Uh, I think this offense really airs it out this year, and I think Dak's a fine, fine pick at nine. Number eight, Aaron Rodgers. This is a tough one. This was a tough one to rank because he lost to Monte Adams, and obviously, if you ever watch the Packers play, uh, if you ever bet on the Packers or if you ever bet on the first touchdown for the Packers, it was always Devontae Adams. It was like the most predictable thing in the world. If the Packers got in the red zone within the 10-yard line, like Aaron Rodgers throws in the green zone, which is, you know, 10 yards to the end zone, more than any other quarterback in the NFL. That's a statistic. And when he did that, he threw it to Devontae Adams more than anybody else in the NFL. Last year, he finished fifth QB5 after 2020, him finishing his QB1. Lost Devontae Adams. He's replacing him with a shaky rookie. Uh, Lazard's still there. Obviously, they lost some talent at the receiver position, but the guy does not turn the ball over. He hasn't thrown more than eight interceptions in 2010. Uh, he's been 
either a Pro Bowl participant or somebody that's been in the Offensive uh, Player of the Year award uh, voting or MVP voting every year that he's been healthy. He's like a sure bet, and we have him at eight because he lost Devontae Adams. Uh, I think the running game is going to be better this year, so I think that that increases. I love the A.J. Dillon, uh, Aaron Jones tandem. But we're talking about Aaron Rodgers here, and he could play with literally anybody. I went back to the season before Devontae Adams played in the NFL to see you know, what kind of support that Aaron Rodgers had and what kind of statistics they had. And he finished uh, with 27 touchdowns and six picks and fourth in Offensive Player of the Year voting. Next year, he was MVP, I believe, with Devontae Adams. Uh, I, I really honestly think that this is the floor for Aaron Rodgers at this point is eight age isn't really a thing. Yeah. He gets rid of the ball um, like clockwork. So I, I really honestly don't think that 39 is something you have to be worried about. Um, I think this is great value. Awesome value for whoever grabs him at eight and uh, you know, we'll see if he can get higher than that. Seven Kyler Murray. If not for DeAndre Hopkins being out for six games and losing Christian Kirk, I would have him top five. Kyler Murray is shown to be on a different level than other quarterbacks. Super high completion percentage, one of the highest in the league of the last in his career. Um, he was QB 10 last year and QB four the year before that. So he regressed six spots. I think that has a lot to do with uh injuries to Hopkins last year uh you know some different offensive struggles uh and and the fact that people are just like when they face Kyler Murray do not let him run do not let him get out of the pocket but the difference between him and Lamar Jackson is Kyler Murray his throwing numbers even without his rushing numbers are worthy of a QB1 that's why I say he's on, he's on a different level okay now, they added Marquise Brown, which is – I'm not a huge fan of Marquise Brown, but it does stretch the field out. Uh, they got A.J. Green, and a second-year Rondale Moore is somebody awesome that can give him three levels of the field. You know, Rondale Moore behind the line of scrimmage, A.J. Green between 10 and 15 yards, and 20 yards plus. You can get Marquise Brown. So – I like what they're doing. I, 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 I like this offense. I like Kyler Murray in this offense. I think, again, he's great value at this spot. Um, and I, honestly, I think that he has top five potential this year, for sure. I would not be surprised if he is top three, top four, top five. Next up, it, I mean, Tom Brady at six. No one wants to pick Tom Brady. Nobody wants to say that Tom Brady's going to be QB1. He probably will or some shit. QB1 last year, no Goblin, no Gronk, Fat Fournette. 
40 fucking five years old. Led the league in yards and TDs last year. I mean, just a nightmare rankings situation. Just don't want to do it. But I have him at six because you can't not put trust in Tom Brady. Whoever picks Tom Brady this year is going to be entirely disappointed and not hate to look at their team before the year starts, but I guarantee he comes through for them. Like, if you pick him, just just pick him. Just close your eyes and pick him, and I promise he'll do well. It's just statistics say so. Uh, number five, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford last year was QB6. He lost Robert Woods and gained Allen Robinson, and I will take that trade every day of the week. I think Allen Robinson is a top 10 receiver who has played with injuries and in a terrible system for the last two or three years. And I think Allen Robinson at his age it can still be a super productive receiver and is a steal to sit at wide receiver two behind Cooper Cup. This offense got better. And when we talk about situations, and sometimes you can't just make a situation good by just adding one player or subtracting one player. In this situation, you can. I really think Matthew Stafford's plucked and thrown into a situation where he's just missing one piece and somebody who could be an elite quarterback. He's at a prime career age. I think 34 for somebody who plays the game like Matt Stafford, just gets the ball down the field and gets the ball out of his hands and is super accurate is a prime career age. Um, he's got a better running back situation. Cam Akers is healthy this year, uh, which gives him some, you know, continuity at running back. Uh, last year's third in yards, second in TDs. I mean, you could do worse at five. I'm, I'm not saying that he, I, I think five is kind of his peak. I wouldn't take him above five. I don't think he'll finish above five. But, I think he's a, he's a fine fifth pick. I think the five through 10 range is, is where Stafford sits and, and five is where he's currently ranked for me. Four is an interesting one. Russell Wilson. Just what we talked about where you have a great situation and you pluck somebody off another team and you put an elite quarterback. This is a great spot. This is why I have him at fourth. I feel like we've talked about the Broncos and their offensive situation and how we wish they had a different quarterback or a quarterback that could make these players shine for like three years. And they drafted Jerry Judy in 2020, and I feel like he hasn't gotten the respect or the spotlight that he deserves because he's had quarterbacks that haven't been able to get him the ball like like somebody like Russell Wilson could. So Russell Wilson last year, comparatively to the rest of his career, had a really bad year last year. Still 11th in TDs. Broncos are a beautiful situation. Just absolutely wonderful. And, and last year, again, we thought that Russell Wilson was having a bad year. It was comparatively to what we think Russell Wilson could be. Only Aaron Rodgers turned the ball over less than 
with somebody who threw more than 20 TDs. Obviously, you know, some of these other quarterbacks threw less, but they didn't meet the criteria. In the last two years, Russell Wilson finished sixth in 2020 and 12th last year. Again, and we thought that he had a bad year, but he finished 12th as QB 12 last year. I really think with this situation in Denver, Russell Wilson could be a top three quarterback. I have him at four because it's hard to thrust somebody up above the top three that I have above here uh, in a new situation that we haven't seen him in. Number three, Joe Burrow. So this is this spot. Now, Joe Burrow, I've known from the since he was at Ohio State or uh, at LSU. I mean, he was at Ohio State, but since he was at LSU, like he's a winner. He wins games. He he finds a way to win, and when he's when you're watching him as a fantasy quarterback, he comes through for you in in situations when you need him. Downside is he had most sacks in the NFL last year, okay, by like four. It wasn't particularly close. And whether you want to blame the O-line or whether you want to blame his decision-making in that he wasn't going to make mistakes and he just went down, it is what it is. I mean, you got the most sacks in the NFL. Again, this is dependent on progression. This is dependent on Joe Burrow becoming a better quarterback and continuing to grow with what he had, what looks one of the best rookie receivers or receiver seasons ever last year in Jamar Chase having T Higgins. Uh, I mean, in a poll, the sharp, sharp football analysis, which I follow for a lot of different, um, you, you know, analysis of different positions, wide receiver, tight end combos. This was the best statistical unit uh, coming into this year. Now this isn't, the numbers that they put together aren't for like the future, like 2023, 2024, 2025. This is literally just for this year. Um, the Bengals have the best statistical wide receiver tight end unit coming in this year. Joe Burrow was QB8 last year. He only had one game without a touchdown. And the last two games that he played in the regular season. 446 yards, four touchdowns against Kansas City. Dropped him 34 to 31. The week before that, 525 yards, four touchdowns. Dropped Baltimore 41-21. It's like, that wins you the weeks. Like if you had him in the playoffs last year, that wins you the championship. That wins you the weeks. Like a win, it, it doesn't matter who else you have on your fucking team. Wins you the weeks. I'm not saying he's going to do that every week this year, but he has the potential to come out and win you games because of the super talented wide receiver crew that he has and just – the ability to like win games, make great decisions, and and not turn the ball over. I love Joe Burrow at at three. I think he's a great quarterback, um, and I think that, like I said, you want that guy that plays on Monday night that can win you a week. And Joe Burrow is absolutely that guy. He's going to be dependable week to week. What we've seen as QB eight, obviously the year before uh, he was hurt halfway through the year, 
But what we've seen last year is QB8, I think only improves year after year. His stock is rising. So I could see him anywhere from three to six, but I think that's his range. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. I know he lost Tyreek Hill. And his worst year that he's ever had in the NFL in 19 was without Tyreek Hill. I think Tyreek Hill only played in 12 games or something last year, so he missed a chunk of it. In his worst year, he still finished as uh, QB4. Since his MVP year, where he absolutely blew everybody out of the water, 2018. 2019, he was QB4. 2020 uh, was QB4, and last year he was QB3. So what you're paying for at this spot is consistency because you know kind of what you're going to get. Now, you replaced Hill with Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't think that's a fair swap. I don't think that's a, you know, a great talent flip because I think Tyreek Hill is just a generational receiver that can stretch the field and, and make people miss. But Juju's no slouch. I think that he, he can definitely fill in that spot. And I think, uh, you know, when you still have Travis Kelsey and, and Michael Hardman and different pieces, you got the sky more as a uh, high dra highly drafted receiver. I don't see why this offense can't be a, a, a machine just like it has been in the past. Patrick Mahomes is a top three talented quarterback in the NFL. If not the most talented quarterback in the NFL. Uh, you're not making a mistake if you draft him at one, and you're not making a mistake if you draft him at two. Other people are making mistakes if they don't draft him at one of those spots. Like I said, you're paying for consistency. So it, it, it's a good pick. Number one, uh, and this should be obvious right at this point, uh, Josh Allen. He's finished QB2 for the last two years, so he finished behind Rodgers in the MVP season. Uh, and last year, he finished behind Brady, who just blew everybody out of the water. But not by much. I think it was like nine points Josh Allen lost, but he's the biggest dual threat in the league. Red zone nightmare. Like, literally, if you're watching Bill's games, forget about the running back. They're going to be back there. They're just back there for decoys. Because he's running it in. Like, NFL odds on Josh Allen rushing touchdowns was not positive. It was like minus 110, like even odds. They thought he was going to score touchdowns just as much as he didn't on the ground as a quarterback. Uh, somebody who's like better at throwing. Uh, his wide receiver corpse got stronger this year with J uh, Jameson Crowder. So you replace Cole Beasley with Jameson Crowder, who I think is just a target monster. Um, he's still got Dawson Knox. He's still got uh, Stephon Diggs, who has the most targets for any wide receiver for the past couple of years since he's been on the Bills. This offense is a monster, and Josh Allen is the biggest part of it. Um, he is a fine number one pick, and if somebody does pass up on him to take Mahomes number one, like I said, it's not it's not terrible, but you're getting a steal at number two with Josh Allen. 
if you can get your hands on Josh Allen, then you're guaranteeing yourself success for the rest of the year or some degree of success. Guys, that's it. That's all for for QBs that I have uh, going into your drafts. Uh, We'll continue with a running back episode in the upcoming days. Just want to thank you guys for listening. I'll see you guys soon. See ya.